welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to John chapter 7, because one of the interesting things about today is that, I uh, remember I've been saying from 1 Peter 1.13, is what in these days, what do you set your hope fully on? Remember, you set your hope fully, like that means without wavering or without anything, set your hope fully on what? The grace that will be, comes when? At the revelation of Jesus. Isn't that what we've been talking about for weeks? And if some of you are looking at that verse going, uh, you know, I have actually said it every week for about the past four weeks, right? And so because like when Jesus is revealed, what I love about God's grace is that we preach Jesus and Jesus alone. And we preach Jesus and his finished work. We preach Jesus in all of his glory, all of his beauty, all of his perfection. Why? Because whenever Jesus is revealed fully, you will have hope as will I. And so corresponding to that, I believe, is that where we, where we experience a lack of hope, where we f- experience fear and anxiety at times, it's because, not because there's something fundamentally wrong with us as human beings, right? You know, in terms of we're not good enough, or Jesus doesn't love us enough, or we haven't got it worked out. We just need to see more of Jesus and who he is. Because every time Jesus is revealed, the result in our hearts is, oh, I've got faith for tomorrow. Why? Because he is greater still. Amen. And so I want to reveal some of you. No, I'm going to teach you. The thing is, uh, I have some of the background in my head, but I want to teach you today because one of the things that when we talk about being prospered, um, you know, and if we go, out, go at it too quick, one of the things that we, we encounter, this is what was going on in my head this morning uh, from the minute I woke up, when we, uh, when we encounter some of the stuff that I want to say to you without a, an understanding of what Jesus is trying to do, then it, bec- it can become difficult. But partly because of our history, partly because we still have the law at work in us, grace at work, but also we're working out some of the stuff that we've been taught for years, isn't that right? And some of the stuff that still goes through our head, we're trying to figure it all out. So let me reveal Jesus to you this morning because one of the, I'm going to talk from John chapter 7, and it's a story that is, and I'm going to go quick, but there's going to be a lot of meat in it, so take some notes is what I would probably advise you to do. Because one of the things that, uh, like it's, it's this amazing picture that Jesus uses of himself. And what I want to do is I want to set it right into the context of where it happens. Very familiar words used by Jesus, but when you set them into context, you go, flipping Nora, why have I never seen this before? All right? Because it'll make it come alive for you. So in John chapter 7, it's, uh, it's happening. This is the bit where Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is what prosperity looks like. Religion is about the outside stuff working out, all right? Religion will say, do the outside stuff well, and then you might have some sense of peace on the inside, right? We're judged not by what's going on or what Jesus has done in us, but how we look to everybody else. And what what the Lord's gonna say is real prosperity, that real sense of it being well in your body, in your mind, in your, in your emotions, in your spirit, in, in, in your soul, all of the, those bits, all right? That true prosperity is a work of grace in you that flows from the inside out, not the outside in. And to be people who are truly prospered in these days, what the world is looking for is, is looking for the fix on the outside. And, and these are crazy times, Right? I mean, we're up and down like a fiddler's elbow. Like I told you, I'm off the grid right now. It's brilliant for the most part. I tune in to Facebook to watch the golf and all that kind of stuff and listen to sermons, obviously, Pastor. But uh, other than that, I'm off the grid. So I don't know. I think the the country went crazy this week. Do I have a... Who's prime minister today? Did anyone... Did you just get the memo? Like, say if you're prime minister this week, will you please turn up? All right, just... That's a joke. And and, in all seriousness about that, you know what we've got to do? One of the things that has been really good about unplugging is, for me, is I go... Uh, Liz Truss, whoever, that, that is a woman with family and children. 
And you know what our job is to do? Is to pray for her, to speak life over her and blessing over her and whoever comes. Let's not buy into this narrative where it's finger pointing and judging and mistakes. And, you know, what would it be like for any of us? I mean, if you want to experience a little bit of it, lead a church because everyone just points at you and tells you what your mistakes are. Should be doing this, should have done that better, could have done this, right? Multiply that by a billion and you're the prime minister, right? Would any one of you want to live your life with everyone pointing the finger at you, saying what you got wrong? Just think for that woman this morning, and do you know what my heart this week for her was? I am praying God's love over you, God's grace over you, over you and your wee girls and your children and your husband, right? That she would know God's love and God's peace. Let's be those kind of people and not just what's out there. It makes me want to book some of it, right? Now, here's the thing. So what Jesus is going to say, what I want to say over the next few weeks is true prosperity is the grace of God in you, First, understanding that being revealed and flowing out. Your outside world will follow the the, the trajectory of what's going on in the inside of you. Do you understand that? The world tries to do it the other way around. I get this stuff happy, this stuff good. I get a smarter, I become smarter, have more money. My job's better, my husband, wife, partner, whatever's nicer. And then therefore I'll be happy on the inside. No, you won't. Okay? If you're unhappy on the inside, it doesn't matter what you have around you, you'll still live unhappy. And then you'll be even more frustrated with God and with people. And so I want to talk to you about what it means to be truly prospering in these days. Does that sound okay? So let's have a look at it. And Jesus, he's, this happens. So Jesus stands up and he says these words, you know, like out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And we all go, I dead on. I've heard that a million times, what it means. So let's zoom into the context to find out what's happening because it's mind blowing. This is Jesus revealed and Jesus revealing himself, right? In the middle. And, and we will see ourselves in the crowd who will listen to this, what he's saying, because it, it happens in what's called Sukkot or the festival of the booths and actually if, if you follow any I don't know if I've mentioned I've been to Israel a few times and so I have a wee eye on that all right and I noticed that the festival Sukkot has just finished actually a few weeks ago and it's after the harvest has been completed and before the beginning of the new agricultural year that they were an agrarian that you know that they dug the ground and that's how they lived right so the whole context of Jesus saying this will make it come alive to you And what happens is there's many parts to this festival, but there is the sense of welcoming, like a well-deserved rest from your labor. You know that that sense of I'm at peace and I'm at rest from all the hard work. And then there's this kind of genuine rejoicing in what God has done for his people. And the Jews were, were told by God to remember his provision. Remember what God has done for you. Remember his protection. Remember his care. This is what the whole festival is about. Since you've been redeemed from slavery, now this is what it starts to look like for us, and you've been bought out of slavery, remember that God did it. Remember his provision for you as he brought you out of that place of bondage and into a place of his blessing. So God says remember, and at Sukkot what they did was they would remember. They would gather to remember and what, 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 why is it called booths? Well, you might see like really uh, like pretty orthodox Jews even today. They, they make these wee temporary like huts, right? And walk around in them, some of them, right? It's quite funny. And uh, what, what, it's funny to look at if you don't know what's going on. You think, what on earth? Like it's equivalent of us getting a wee garden shed and walking up the road of it in a garden shed. Like people would stop their cars and laugh at you, Right? It makes no sense until you understand it because what God told them was leave your permanent dwellings and, you know, it's this sense of, of, of journey, you know, like you had to, had to observe the festival by leaving their permanent dwellings to live in these more fragile temporary booths or the other word for booths is Sukkot, 
right? These things, right? And so what, what happened is it's this reminder, right? It's this, why, why would he say live in these temporary things? It was getting them to, to remember something really important, which, which lands for you and I today, is that, you know, we have to remember that just because we have left Egypt, the place of bondage, and been brought into the promised land of God's favor, do we get that? Into this place of grace, that does not remove our need for dependence on him. Do you get that? We live every day dependent on Jesus and dependent on his work, not on our work. So the Lord was reminding them, these temporary things, a bit like our, the temporary nature of everything that we have, the temporal nature of what we have, it's a reminder that even though we are in the time of God's favor and God's blessing, it is his favor, his blessing, and we need to be mindful and live in that place of total dependence on grace, not us. Does that make sense? And so he's, he's asking them to remember this. And I think we need to be careful because oftentimes we've got to guard our hearts. You know, it's like we might, we might have been moving. We might understand I'm in a place of God's favor today. I can stand on that, claim that, and all the rest of it. And oftentimes whenever God blesses us, we have a good harvest. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, most of you look at you, you're fit and well and healthy and prospered and blessed. And what the danger of that at times, if I can be really honest, is that even after a good harvest, right, we need to remember that, do you know what I've seen most of the time? I've seen people blessed by God who then think it's about them. There's a difference. There's a thing that shifts in people to go, well, this is all great, right? Look at me, aren't I great? God can bless us so much with health and protection and safety. He can protect us with money and our future. And oftentimes what happens over a period of time, actually what I've seen in hundreds of people in my life, is that then becomes, yeah, thanks for blessing me, God. And the blessing can actually be a curse. Do you get that? And the only difference is a heart that's dependent on Jesus, that recognizes from the outset it is all flowing from him. Not I'm blessed and isn't this brilliant? Look at me now. You know, I've had people stand in this church, right, who are blessed and go, well, see, see to be honest, like, I'm doing pretty well, right? Like, would my life be any different without God? And I, I honestly wanted to greet them in the name of whatever, Glasgow kiss, right, and go, are you crazy? I mean, what, how do you get to be so blessed and go, but see, to be honest, it was probably about me anyway. Because I'm dead smart. I've got a good education and do this job. And you're like, honestly, do you get me? It's like, it's crazy. Jesus wants us dependent. He wants us looking at him every day to receive all that we need. All that we need. Not some of what we need. Not the bits that we can't supply for ourselves. Because it's all from the hand of God. And so that's what Sukkot's about. Now listen to me as we, we go on. And so it's this thing of like remembering year after year after year. And so what we have is this reminder that God had said, and wherever you go, I'm gonna be with you, so just remember me. Now, that's one bit of it. So there's this thing of looking back and saying, and, and can I just really encourage you? Oftentimes when we live in the now but the not yet, we forget to stop at some point and say, Jesus, thank you for your grace. You know, even this morning, Lord, you got us through another week. Isn't that right? Look at you all. Nobody's had any big disasters that I can see. You're all looking well. Some of you even look half happy to be here. My goodness, we're on a roll, right? Flipping Nora, isn't this awesome? And so the th that was a wee joke. Right? And sometimes when we're going, like I'm here, but I want to be here, God says, will you just stop and say thank you for what's come? Why? Is it about 
you know, like, because it annoys him. No, it's because it's about keeping your heart centered on, on, on grace and just remembering. But there's this really big forward-looking bit to what Jesus is talking about here. And this is the bit that I think speaks most of us, to most of us where we are today. Knowing the importance and the significance of what's going on, Jesus drops this unbelievable revelation bomb right in the middle of one of the most important festivals that the Jews had. All right? So do you want to know what it is? Let's go for it. They were completely missing the point. Let me explain it to you. Right? The priests, so in the middle of this festival, like people would have come. It was probably like the twelfth on steroids, right? People would come from everywhere. That was a joke. Flip me their hard audience this morning, right? Go, oh, well, you can't mention the twelfth in the church. Well, it was like the twelfth, they'd all come from, from miles around, right? <laughs> uh, or whatever your favorite gathering is. Uh, and they would gather in Jerusalem for this, for this festival. And what happened is, let me just talk about the priests, because the priests had so many duties. On the first morning of Sukkot, what would happen is they would all walk down uh, to the Pool of Siloam. Remember that, where people got healed and all sorts of stuff? And they would lift up to the temple. The temple, remember, is the place where heaven meets earth. And they would lift a golden container full of water, and it was only enough. It was sufficient to last for seven days, which was the length of the festival. Now, what is gold in the Bible? Right? Anyone? Anyone? Right, it's the color of glory, divinity, kingship, deity, and righteousness. And water in the Bible, remember, is the picture of God's life, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace in you. And so there's not any detail wasted in the word. In John 7, 37, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, why, why are we told that? Because it, the details matter here. It's, it's the last day, right? And uh, it was the climax of the festival, and it was what was called the pouring ceremony. I love this. So let me describe it to you so you picture in the scene. Like, it's all, you're in the temple square. It's about a quarter of a mile by about a quarter of a mile uh, square. And it was absolutely rammed with people, like standing room only. So the metaphor, the picture here, if you like, is that that's the world out there today. We're gathered, we're standing, and it's like the crowd, if you like. Now, the priests would carry the water from the pool of Siloam, and as, they, as they're walking, they also sing. And they sing the Psalms found from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They're called the Halal Psalms. And they, they contain the words from Psalm 118, 26 that we all know. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How do we know those verses? Those are the verses that are going to be used by the people whenever Jesus is entering into Messiah into Jerusalem. It was the welcoming cry for the Messiah. It was the heart of them to go, Lord, we are, you know, God, we're waiting for the Messiah. And so what they would do is they would lift this water out. They would walk in procession with the water. And what happens is they're singing these psalms, you know, the welcoming cry and all this stuff. And at the same time, they say these words, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain. So as they say these words, they're also uttering, send the rain. It's the future aspect of the ritual. Do you know what they're essentially saying, what you and I do? God, don't forget about tomorrow. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you that in this container of righteousness, picture of Jesus, there's all the life that I will need. And they're carrying them, figuratively speaking, in their hands. But at the same time, it's like, they're missing the point that Jesus is right in front of them. And so even though they have all this, they don't see who Jesus is. You and I do that every day. We don't see Jesus fully as our provider, as our protector, as our source. And so many times in our hearts, what happens is we sit with God, will you do, will you do, will you do, 
What about tomorrow? What about the day after? What about this? Am I going to be all right? Send the rain, Lord. Rain being a picture of life. You get that? How am I doing so far? Is this okay? I told you it would be meaty today, but, you know, buckle up. Just going to get even meatier. There's, so there's a deeper meaning here. It's this deep cry for the Messiah to come. They want the deliverance. They want the rain. That's all the outside stuff. Do you get that? Lord, make sure we're provided for. Make sure we're protected. But there's something deeper going on. There's two things that happen as the, in this, like, and it happens for you and I. I know for me, I want to know that I'm going to be safe and protected tomorrow and so are my kids. Do you know that? Right? See when the world's crashing in, you want to know, or the gas bills are going up, or the mortgage rates are going up. You want to know, Lord, I'm going to have enough, not just to get through, but to be thriving. Amen? But on top of that, there's something else. There's something on the inside of us, isn't there? There's that sense of acceptance and peace. We don't want to feel guilty anymore or shameful, do we? That sense of condemnation, not being good enough. Because actually, you can have all the stuff on the outside and be doing better than somebody else, but still feel rotten to the core. Anyone? And so what happens is, as these priests, the people who stood before God, are walking up, the cry of their hearts is, Lord, on one level, on what we can see, please look after us. And on the other level, could you, do, could you set us free on the inside? Could you do both for us? Could you prosper us in these days? Because prosperity is not about having more money. Prosperity is about knowing a set overriding sense of goodness and peace in your life, no matter what money you have. And so, it's, so what we see is the, the, the priests here are just kind of showing us what's in our own hearts. Isn't that right? Maybe it's just me. Oh no, brother, I, I never fear a thing. I just, you know, like, if that's you, brilliant. Come up and preach the rest of this for me. They're wanting deliverance and they're wanting the rain. And, you know, it's, they're, they're longing for just more than just crops is what I'm trying to say. And so the future bit of this whole thing of why they're gathering is to say, thank you, God, for what you've done. Please, God, will you do it tomorrow? Will you send rain? Will you send water, that picture of life, the spirit of God? Will you send life? But most importantly, would you do it in here? Because we are buckled by the weight of our sin and we can't get free. Oh, now listen, it gets even better. So there's three things. Let me just recap before we get on to the good bit. So first, they're thanking God for delivering them, right? Thank you, God. Can I encourage you? Like on Wednesday night when we start this Bible study, praise changes you, thankfulness changes you, gratitude changes you. That's about three weeks from now I'm gonna preach that, okay? How grace is released in the act of thanksgiving, all right? And so come along Wednesday night as, uh, as we start that. You're gonna love it. Second, so they're thanking God for delivering them. Secondly, they're thanking God for harvest, right? So thank you that I've been saved. Thank you, God, for what you provide for me. And uh, harvest in the Bible, if, if you're interested, is always a metaphor. It's a picture. It's a picture of redemption and a foreshadow of the ultimate redemption. That's the way the Jews look at harvest. That would come through the Messiah. And so thanking God for the harvest is like saying, thank you, God. But that longing in our hearts in the third bit is they are then believing for, for literally God's goodness tomorrow. As they finish one season, God, we need your goodness tomorrow or we're stuffed. So that's the three things that are going on and Jesus is just gonna blow the whole thing up. It's brilliant. Now what happens is this. There's a, this deep spiritual hunger 
And what, what happens is, oftentimes, the, what's really interesting here with the priests is they can't see what's in front of them because they're so busy in the rituals of life that they have always known. That's the point. Can I say some of, one of the best things that most of you could do this week is slow down a little from the rituals of everything that you do every day and make room for Jesus. Make room for his grace. So the act of slowing down in today's world is one of the most countercultural, revolutionary things you can do. Because the world says go faster, go quicker. In these days, you better work harder. You better, all of this stuff. And the Lord says, stop, rest at my feet a while and watch me move for you. Completely revolutionary. Completely countercultural. That's what the Lord asks you to do. And so that's what Jesus is gonna do here. Um, I love this. Because this is, he's gonna show them what prosperity looks like. So they have the longing, we have the longing. We know that we've been set free and we're now in a place of God's blessing under the new covenant of his grace. But even under the new covenant of his grace, there's still this dependency, not just fully on him, but on who we are. And so whenever we, we still depend somewhat on us, that creates the gap, the gap between what I'm facing and what I know I can do is where fear lives. And in that place, we then start to take things back onto ourselves. And so, the, so Jesus goes, let me show you what this is all about. Because what would happen is the priests, right? The priests on duty, when this water was come up, and this, remember on the last day, the Bible's brilliant. Jesus says this on the last day for a reason. Because this libation, it was called libation or, or pouring ceremony, was incredible. They would take, the priest on duty, when they brought this water up, they would take two massive silver bowls. Now talk about missing the point, right? Two massive silver bowls. What is silver in the Bible? So gold is divinity and righteousness. Silver is the, every time you see silver in the Bible, think redemption. Okay, you get that? Being bought back, being redeemed. So silver always speaks of redemption. That's why in the temple that the, the wood sits on silver, okay, to keep it off the ground. We stand not in the world, but we stand on the redemptive work of Jesus. So we're in the world, but we're not off it. All of that stuff, right? So you see the imagery. So there's these two massive silver bowls and they fill one with water and then they fill one with, with wine, and that there was, a, that there was an act of prayer and an expression of dependent, dependence upon God to pour out his blessing of rain upon the earth. So they would pour the wine and the water in to this, into these two big silver things, and then they would pour them out again. Do you get that? So they're filled and they're poured out. Now, think about water and wine, okay? Wine speaks of the blood of Jesus, Water, the redemptive life of God. Where else do you see blood and water flowing out from a place of redemption? Jesus on the cross. Do you get it? They had no clue what they were doing. On the cross, Jesus' side is pierced and from it, blood and water will flow for the redemption of the whole world. Now, I've heard lots of medical explanations as to why blood and water flow. I, I think when John was writing this in the gospel, he was making it very clear. He was always pointing, not like, it was not a medical book, you know, because they, the, the readers originally in the time would have looked back, they would have actually been around and they would have gone, flip, remember that happened when Jesus was crucified, blood and water flowed? And it was a picture that God had already given them in this festival about their hope for tomorrow. Where would your redemption come from? It would come from the Messiah when blood and water would flow from him, right? They couldn't see it though. 
They couldn't see it. Why? They couldn't see the grace of God and the grace of Jesus for them because they were so wrapped up in the ritual and the daily stuff and the heart which was about them than they were about him. That's what we've got to learn. Now, let me keep going. Um, is this okay? Oh, good, good. That's brilliant. I love it. So listen, I'm preaching myself, have I? So here, here we go. And so, I mean, what would happen then, right, as they, as they pour out this picture of redemption being poured out, um, the, the priests would then circle the altar as they do it. It's just mad, all this mad stuff going on. And they would circle the altar seven times. What's seven in the Bible? I told you I was going to reveal Jesus to you this morning. Number of perfection and completeness, right? And then they poured out the water with this great pomp and ceremony. And that's when, it was called the Hashanah Rabbah in Hebrew, they would shout, they would shout Hosanna, save now. So just think about it. They're doing all the ritual and missing the very heart of it. But they are literally pouring out. It's this picture of the life of God, the water of God being poured out from a place of redemption. And they're saying, save us, God. Right? Exactly what they'll do a week later whenever Jesus is coming in. So how do we apply this, right? Because they missed it, and they did it year after year after year. But let me apply it for you today, because this is what prosperity looks like. The people are fervently looking for God. They're looking for hope. I'm not judging them. They're looking for tomorrow to be okay. In fact, not just to be okay, but because being okay doesn't bring us into a place of hope, does it? We're not called just to survive. God wants us to really thrive and do well. They want to be blessed. They want security. They want an understanding that it's all right. Do you feel like that? It's okay. You're just like they are. You're just like I am. And part of that need in us is because God put it there. So there's nothing wrong with it. But what happens here is they've got so busy with life and ritual and stuff so busy even with some of the blessed, because they, remember, they're celebrating harvest as well, that they, they're missing the big point, that Jesus was right there in front of them. So everything they're crying out for, he's right there. Do you get that? Everything you cry out for, inside, outside, he's right there in front of you. Don't miss him, because you're too busy with the stuff. Don't miss him. I know many of us are so grateful for what God has done for us up, up until now. Isn't that right? Do you know why we're grateful? Because we can see it and we can go, God, you're so good. If we're honest, though, how much confidence are we carrying for tomorrow? That's the point. Or the day after. And it's in this point of God, like I just see myself in these people so, so clearly. It's like all of this, you know, like thanks God for this. Tomorrow, whew, what's that look like? I want, I want to be confident. I want the outside and the inside to coalesce together so that I'm truly prospered and blessed. But I'm not always there. And Jesus stands up in the middle. This is where he just goes, boom, and completely destroys the whole thing, to be fair. It's all packed into the temple. It's busy, it's noisy. There's everything going on. And let's read it. It says on the last day of the feast, the great day. Why the last day? Because it's at the point where they are crying out to God for rain, redemption, wine and water being poured out 
trumpets, but God, will you do it? He stands up in the middle of all of that. Didn't do it on the first day, the second day, the third day. He waits till the climax of the festival to make his announcement. This is what he says. Jesus stands up and he cries out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit at this point had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Do you know what he's doing? He's standing up in the middle of it all saying this. Everything that you're looking for, everything that you have need of, everything that you are ritualizing here, all of this work, all of this effort, all of this longing, it's me you need. It's me who will Go not to the outside things to make sure that you've reigned for tomorrow, but I'll go to the deepest part of your life, the deepest part of your heart, the deepest part of your being, and I will set you free. So come to me because life is not outside in, it's inside out, and everything you need is right here. That's what the Lord says to you today. Everything you need is right here. It is Jesus. Now, uh, he, he, there's a wee bit more here. You know, isn't it funny that you, you kind of go, like how much time and energy and money and effort we spend on searching for stuff, for true pre- peace, like even ministry. People go, love the idea of ministry, you know, and, you know but it not, honestly, I haven't done it for a while. It doesn't really, anyway, you're not gonna be really super fulfilled if you want it in ministry. I'm not saying ministry's bad. I, I enjoy it, that's why I'm here every week. And I believe in the, in the grace of God, but it would be a really poor way to, to find any sense of fulfillment. Is that too honest for you? It's the absolute truth. Or money, or education, pick what, what it is. None, none of those things can take the place of anything that should be Jesus. Nothing, it all comes from him. It's not your education, it's not your qualification, it's not your bank balance, your family, your reputation. It's not the effort that you make or anything else. It's not your experience. You know, you don't have to go year after year around the same mountains, folks. They, they were, they, you know, f- for these people, it says Jesus was not yet glorified. So they were saying, God, send the rain, deal with the outside stuff and the inside stuff. You know what we can say today under the covenant of God's grace? We are standing in an outpouring of God's rain. Every single one of us. We don't need to say, God, send the rain. Leave me, you know, please provide for tomorrow. If you're doing that, can I just say, get Jesus in front of you and say, thank you that you have been poured out in full with nothing left behind for my redemption. And where they wanted it inside and out, Lord, you've given it to me inside and out. They could never experience it. And all the rituals in the world were never gonna provide it. In fact, I'll tell you what happens. The more we do the outside stuff and see that it doesn't work, the more it hardens and makes us disappointed, doesn't it? And that's why Jesus says it'll come from the inside of you. Being truly prospered is about the grace of God from the inside out, not the outside in. And my great encouragement to you today is this. I just wanna, I wanna finish in a couple of minutes here. Is, is, you, know, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Because he's the fulfillment of all that we, you see in this ceremony. His very glory and his very presence and his very grace fills you today from the inside and 
goes before you tomorrow. This rain, that this water that was poured out, right, is freely flowing to you. It's a, it's a gift of his grace. It's completely unearned. It's completely undeserved. It just doesn't flow over you. That's why when we say, Holy Spirit, come, I go, no, no, no. Holy Spirit's in me. Holy Spirit, flow. Totally different. Not come on me like the dove from above. Remember that? <laughs> Paul Mortimer, no. Kind of a reference if you were, some of you are going to have no clue. Yeah. I was just thinking of the dove from above. Remember that? Anyway, see, those who know, know, right? All you proper Christians who never watched those shows. I never watched them. Penny used to watch them. And I used to tell her, don't watch. She used to interrupt my Bible study by telling me this stuff. And I used to go, don't do that, love. We kind of call the dove from above, right? Come, Holy Spirit. Do you realize that you have got the source of grace, Jesus himself on the inside of you right now? Put your hand there on your chest and go, he is in me right now. From the top of my head to the tips of my toes, I have got all of God's life, favor, and blessing flowing in me right now. I don't need a ritual. I don't need to cry out to God for him to move. He's already moving because that's his grace for you. That's what it means to be truly prospered. I have a feeling, I'm gonna finish here. I have a feeling, isn't it brilliant the way Jesus steps in the middle of all of their stuff going, that's all me, that's all me, that's all me. You think you do this and it's gonna get God to move. No, no, that was all about me. All these pictures and images, right? Were all about him. So he stands up and goes, but it's not about your outside world changing first. It's about your inside world changing first. That's prosperity. That's what I want to talk to you about over the next few weeks. Too many of us are in the send the rain, God, because what we're wanting is just outside things to change quickly. But God does a deeper work in your life, a deeper work of grace, that no matter what the circumstances are, you can say, I am blessed and I am favored. God is good all the time. I am, then I have a feeling actually, I have a feeling that um, I am just so full of cultural references today, isn't it? (laughs) For those of you who are still struggling, that was the black eyed peas, okay? (laughs) So I'm just so trendy, right? (laughs) Love it. When I thought about this, in Jeremiah 17, 78, and I'm just going to finish. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water. That image again. It sends out its roots by the stream and doesn't fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. Let me read that to you again. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree, what? He's planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and it doesn't fear when heat comes. Why? Because its leaves remain green. That means it's fruitful. It's fed. It's nourished. It's watered. It has everything that it needs. And it's not anxious or fearful in a year of drought. Can I speak that over every single one of you as the word of God for you today? We will not be anxious in a year of drought. Why? Because the Lord sent the rain, the gift of his Holy Spirit, his work of grace in our lives. And because of that, we are prosperous. Now we're going to see it more. 
We're going to live in it more over these next weeks and months. I believe that when the Lord speaks at this time of year, can I just really get your attention? If the Lord is speaking to us at this time of the year about this, it's for what's to come. Do you get that? Because the Lord's not caught on the hop. He's not like, oh, flip, what happened? Liz Truss is gone. Peter, did we not go back over the notes? Did we not have that? That's not the way heaven works, folks. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Flipping heck. Seriously. Have we the protocol sorted yet? Seriously, Lord, that's a tricky one. Might need you to step into that one. Do you think that's what goes on in heaven? Do you think God is sitting on the throne right now? Jesus at his right hand in a place of complete authority at perfect rest. Why? Because he's got it all in his hand and he's got you too. Amen. So that's our picture for today. No empty religion, no empty work that's tiring and unrelenting and what it demands. If we will drink from him every day, he'll satisfy, he will get the order of this right inside out, not outside in. And then you will prosper. The word of God, the promise of God over you today. And if you've remembered nothing else of what I've said today, remember this, okay? That you are called to prosper no matter what goes on around you. That is not me going name it and claim it. That is the solid, reliable word of grace for you today. It's a promise for you. The Lord is not limited by any circumstances. He's not limited by your past or by your feelings. He's not moved by your effort or your performance. He promises that all that you need is already yours in here because he loves you. And he'll never do anything but love you. Amen, church. Are you encouraged this morning? Like, Lord, we're so grateful for your word this morning. Just let's pray. Father, we're not gonna buy into the crowd and the prevailing uh, wisdom of the times, Father, but we wanna look more clearly at Jesus. We wanna look more clearly today at your finished work, Lord, and we wanna drink from there. Lord, I thank you that over every home represented here, over every life, for every relationship, child, business, career. I speak right now, right now in Jesus' name that this promise of God, that when we believe in you, that from the inside, rivers of life will flow. I pray that over everyone today, Lord. People who are listening online, watching online, people who are gonna catch up. Father, we thank you that in this moment, it doesn't pass. Father, that your anointing is here in this room, Lord, to bring an overwhelming sense of peace and security to everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we in these days would be prospered, Lord, in our hearts, in our emotions, on the inside, Lord, and we would see your goodness in these days in the land of the living. Father, it would be testimony not to the ritual and the, everything we've put in place, but it would be testimony to your grace alone. Jesus, your grace is amazing. We thank you, Father, that we've got absolutely nothing else to stand on today. Nothing of any worth or value, Lord, other than who you are and what you have done for us. So Jesus, we put ourselves fully, fully into that place of dependence today. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that he's just 
encouraging some hearts in this room right now. Reminding you again that you may not know tomorrow, but you don't need to know because he knows already. And he's gone before you. He's gone before you into every situation, into every day. He's working, pulling all things together for a good purpose. He's moving things into place for you. Playing a, a game of 60 chess, six dimensional chess that you could never figure out yourself, but he sits above it all. And Lord, for every bit that we don't understand, for every bit where we have questions, for every bit, Lord, where fear and anxiety still exists, I just pray that right now, Lord, you would whisper your grace over every heart, over every life. Jesus, that we would know above all things, above all things, an overwhelming, overriding sense of your love and commitment for us, Lord. You never give up. You never stop. You relentlessly pursue us every day with goodness and with favor. So Lord, it's not send the rain, it's thank you for the rain. Thank you for the rain. The rain of your grace in our life. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand? We're gonna take communion together. Are you encouraged this morning? Cool. When you uh, take, uh, remember the only way you can, well, you can't be unworthy if you're a believer this morning, but it says don't take it in an unworthy manner, which means look at yourself rather than look at Jesus. And um, we take communion this morning, again, not as a ritual. Do you hear me? It's not a ritual. Well, you can make it a ritual if you want. But whenever I look at this, it just reminds me again and centers me again on, on Jesus' work for me. And I thank you and pray with me. Father, thank you for this bread, this wafer, Lord. I thank you it speaks of our healing. I thank you, Father, that you died for us, Lord. You were torn and crucified, Lord. And on your back, you took every sickness, disease, illness of the body and mind so that we could live whole, healthy, and complete. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you for that promise. Lord, we today, over every body, over every condition, I just speak the healing power of Jesus. Strength where it's needed. Peace where it's needed. Healing where it's needed. Right now, in Jesus' name, as we eat. Father, we thank you for the cup. Lord, even thinking of this story in Sukkot where they poured out these massive bowls representing redemptive blood, redemptive sacrifice, and they missed it. Lord, we thank you that we don't get to miss it today because of who you are. Lord, we thank you that this blood reminds us that we are free. Church, I speak over you right now. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation, no finger pointing, no anger, no wrath, no judgment. All of it meted out onto Jesus so that you could stand here today as a son and a daughter, free indeed. Outrageous grace. So Father, we thank you for that truth. 
We thank you, Father, that every single claim that stood against us has been met in full by the work of Jesus. Every T has been crossed. Every I has been dotted. There is nowhere, Lord, where darkness can say, I have a hold. Why? Because it's all been settled through the blood of Jesus. And that's our confidence for today and our hope for tomorrow in your work, Lord. So we drink and we say thank you to you.